Canuck Central Tuesday. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw. We are a presentation of your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. Uh, this just in, as we uh, begin the show, we just found out Jim Rutherford is going to join us in about half an hour's time, we hope. Uh, they're just wrapping up some meetings, so Rutherford could join us sometime in this first hour of the program, Sat. A little tee-up, a little preview of how the team is feeling ahead of free agency tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, not only just free agency, but what has happened or hasn't happened with the team. I- yes. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I know what the answer is going to be, yes. uh, but we'll have to put it past them. Uh, what hasn't happened? Uh, a lot of... Uh, monkey side-eye gifts going out (laughs) around what the Canucks have done over the last week and a bit. It has been awfully quiet. He did a piece and gave some quotes to Ian McIntyre at sportsnet.ca. We'll uh, get uh, Jim Rutherford's take on how the team is feeling about the offseason to this point and where it goes from here. Obviously, there will be lots of talk about the Canucks conversations with JT Miller and otherwise, so we will shelf it. Save the speculation yes. for whatever juicy quote Jim Rutherford gives us <laughs> yes. later this hour. Yeah, I mean, newsflash, uh, they like the player. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, the only thing I will say on the JT stuff is, like, it, it's, I, I have a, I, I, it's funny to see the reaction about, like, they should have traded him at the deadline, this and that. It's like, all along, they're like, now they're, they might keep him. All along, they've wanted to keep him. Yeah. Like, this has been their goal. To keep JT Miller, if possible, all along. All along. And we'll see how it plays out. Maybe the way the market is playing out may end up favoring the Canucks in their desire to keep JT Miller. So, outside of that, look, it's obvious the Canucks haven't been able to open up cap space. Mm -hmm. The quotes we have heard from Jim Rutherford to this point suggest that they were hopeful that they'd be able to so that maybe they could have a little bit more flexibility going into free agency but that is at this point unlikely to happen as we are now 24 hours away less than 24 hours away from free agency officially opening up and the Canucks will have as it stands right now about five million dollars to play with uh, let's recap what those needs are. Like, given the short amount of cap space and the realization you're not going to be playing at the high end of free agency, what do the Canucks need to be looking for tomorrow and through the summer as some opportunities come up? On the back end, as much as they need to improve you know, the right side significantly, the pool they're going to be dig- dipping into free agent wise isn't going to answer that. I mean, maybe right. a long shot somewhere that, you know, hits or whatever. And we can talk about that as the segment goes on. But really, if you look at, especially if the roster is as is, if they are actually running it back, I have some doubts that they actually will in the end, but let's just assume for the moment because this is what the roster does look like. So what you do need is still a centerman that can kill penalties mm-hmm. and play in a checking role. So they need that still very much. You yep. need a forward that can be physical and gritty as well, right? Yeah. They also need to have a player that gives you a little bit of depth that has some skill. 
Because right now, you look at the Canucks' top nine, and it's put Colson, Pedersen, Besser, Kuzmenko, Miller, Garland, Pearson, Horvat, Hoaglander. Just the top nine. I mean, whatever order you want to put them into. That's, that's, that's a decent top nine group. Yeah. But if one of those guys gets hurt, who's moving up to play? Mm. Dickinson? Yeah. Right? And, I mean, who else do you have? Not really anybody looking through the system right now. And, yeah, I mean, sure, you have guys like Sheldon Dries or whatever, but they're not real options for you. Well, so, and with the uncertainty after um, moving on from, well, not not qualifying Lamico or Highmore, there's just there's fewer options. And yeah. Alex Chason, who stepped up into play uh, higher lineup minutes when there were injuries last year. That's the guy to me. Because as much as you can say, well, Kuzmenko is replacing him in some to some degree, it's really more about adding somebody else, too. I think who's going to be the chase on type that they can bring in and, and give you something along the lines that chase on gave you, you know, can give you 10, 15 goals, perhaps can play up and help you out, can, can fill in on a power play spot and and be good defensively still mm-hmm. and give you something. And I think that type of a forward is something this team also needs in addition to that centerman and in addition to that other winger that can can bring a little great as well. So those are uh, the needs of this team, you know, uh, it's obvious they they want to find some help on a right shot defenseman at the right side on defense. Very, very difficult to do. They've got some depth there with Brady Keeper and Kyle Burrows, you know, something that they like. But are you going to be able to significantly upgrade mm-hmm. over there? We know the speculation Earth first dropped it here on Canuck Central uh, about Troy Stetcher. He's maintained that uh, could still be a mm-hmm. possibility there. But again, you're looking at a depth guy, six, seven, eight type defenseman. It's not really upgrading your team. And they do need to find some bottom six options that can not only do better at five on five, cost effective, yeah. but also probably play on the penalty kill set. Yeah. Uh, you know, they need those types to fill out the bottom of the roster. So let's go bargain bin shopping. Let's do it. Josh, you ready? You you got your uh, reusable bag with you? Oh. All right. I'm always strapped. <laughs> Producer Josh Elliott Wolf. Yes, th- th- that that's kind of one of the things of uh, today's day and age. You always got to be uh, carrying around a tote bag just you in do. case. You got to be ready. I mean, you can always purchase a bag, yes. but I mean, how many $1 bags do you really need? <laughs> how many $1 bags do you really need? So, if you want to chime in with some players that you've been looking at in free agency that you think could be an option for the Vancouver Canucks, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line for our live listeners. And always on Twitter, at DataRicho underscore and at Satyar Shah. Producer Josh Elliott-Wolf uh, will chime in with his take. Three players to go bargain bin shopping for with the Vancouver Canucks. That's what we're looking at. We're shopping at the five and dime yeah. and looking for players that could fill a role and maybe even bring value to the yes. bottom of the Canucks roster. Yeah, and let's also be mindful of the budget here, too. I mean, the Canucks have $3.65 million in cap space, and that is when you take Brady Keeper and uh, Justin Dowling off the roster. I know mm-hmm. people look at cap friendly and see 2.1, but you take those two guys off, too. It's about 3.65. You just need to fill three spots. You have 3.65. You need to fill three spots. Now, you also have the $3.5 million you can go into LTIR for Michael Furlan. Yes. So in theory, you have about $7 million to play with, roughly. But I don't think the Canucks are going to use all that $7 million in free agency and cap themselves out. So let's say, for argument's sake, they're going to have $4 million in budgetary money here yeah. to spend in free agency. So be mindful of that when, when we're talking about the players they're going after. Don't spend it all in one place, Yes, as your parents may have told you at a younger age. All right, so fill in. The Dunbar Lumber text line with some of your options. 
there are many that you can look at here. One player that kind of surprised me that came available yesterday sat that I immediately thought could be an option. It's not one you would probably have expected, but in diving into some of the numbers yeah. and watching a little bit of the tape, Rudolph's Balsers Ooh, Rudolph. getting bought out by the San Jose Sharks yesterday was only going to cost them a buck and a half anyways. Mm-hmm. Still gets bought out, is 25 years old, plays the left and the right side on the wing, has a bit of a tenacious game, yeah. and... I like a lot of what he does both ways. Okay, 102 games with the Sharks. He had about 40 points. I think it's thereabouts, 19 goals, 21 assists. Not a bad return for a guy you would expect to play bottom six type of minutes. Rudolph's Balsers would be one name I'd be circling if I were the Vancouver Canucks. Interesting. I mean, and given uh, the lack of production, he's a guy that's not going to cost too much. Nope. One-year deal under a million most likely. And kind of fits in the type of role that we're talking about. So I think he does make sense. That's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for guys that can play bottom six, bring some speed to the lineup, bring some tenacity, harder to play against type of mentality, and can potentially even fill roles on the penalty kill. That's a desperate need for the Vancouver Canucks as well. Uh, All right, that's one name for me. All right, uh, I'll throw a name into into the ring as well. And for me, that name is... Sonny Milano. And Ooh. it doesn't really scream the type of player. And we'll get to the other couple guys I have to fill the specific roles we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But surprisingly, Sonny Milano had a pretty good all-around season last year. Yeah. Didn't get qualified uh, because, you know, he had about 30-odd some points. He's probably not a guy that's looking at a huge contract anyways. Probably north, south of a uh, of $2 million and maybe looking to put himself in a position where he can have a decent season somewhere and maybe have a better reputation on a decent team and maybe get paid from a year from now. And one thing about Sonny Milano, he's gotten a lot better defensively. I think mm. the, the focus on him has been so much about him, a really skilled player, great hands, and he just didn't know how to do all the other things out there. That part of his game has really, really improved. And what did we talk about earlier? As much as the Canucks have a solid top nine, somebody goes down, they ain't got anybody. Yeah, Milano's a type of player that can move up and down your lineup and give you a little bit of something. Played with uh, Trevor Zegras uh, for a lot of last year with the yeah. Anaheim Ducks. I feel like, Josh, are you a Sonny Milano guy as Milano well? Milano was on my list. Oh. All right. Well, we're on the same I'm page. Big Milano guy. Yeah. Uh, can, but he, can he's, I, can he's I just actually interject? decent. He's actually pretty good. With one quick thing here, though. Does this change if the Canucks do sign Sonny Milano and I talk about it and him all year next year like that? What? Where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> is he is he actually Italian? Sonny Milano. I, I mean, uh, so. is Milan in Italy or what? I guess well, Sonny, too. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that does change things. <laughs> yeah, slightly. <laughs> uh, okay, all kidding aside, like, really interesting player. I think one of the things that stood out for me with Milano is his playmaking ability. Yeah. Uh, and the Canucks do have, they have shooters. Yeah. They have, right? they have a need on the wing for some playmakers. Uh, that's right. Because, you know, their their centermen can profile as guys that like to shoot the puck. Hello, Bo Horvat. Hello, Elias Patterson. So if Milano were to end up playing in that type of role, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'd love to uh, really not 
be all on the same page here. He didn't make my list just because right. I figured he'd be very popular. Yeah. That's one of the knocks against Milano, though. How many other teams might be looking at this player who had some potential, went through a rough patch earlier in his career, but maybe now has finally figured something out? Yeah, I wonder if there's like a, a real analytics team that take a flyer on him and pay him a little bit of money. But But given how the market shakes out, it just seems like he's the type of guy that's not going to be getting that type of a deal. Uh, so we'll see. I, I wonder. Could be uh, under two million bucks. All right, Josh. Uh, so I, I think this is probably a similar player. I'm going to go with Langley boy Danton Heinen. Okay. Who had a decent year in Pittsburgh last year, and there's the Pittsburgh connection, obviously. Yeah. Even eighteen though, goals. Yeah, eighteen goals, thirty three points. Uh, also played pretty well defensively as well. So I think he fits that bottom yeah. six role nicely. Um, and I don't think he's going to be that expensive. And that, we're I not look, a Pittsburgh is he wanted three million bucks. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you get him under two, yes, he may get over two. I don't I don't know if he would. Okay. But but yeah, I get it though. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just based on yeah. based on similarities, I would have him in there. So can play center a little bit too, do you know, can play a couple different positions. It gives you some versatility. Right sided guy. I, I think kind of the perfect bottom six winger, but does have some shooting ability that he can in a pinch. Yeah, he can play, play up the lineup, the lineup yep. if yeah. uh, if you were to absolutely need it. Cost might be interesting there. One of the reasons the Penguins decided not to qualify him, Brian Burke was quoted today and just saying we were worried about arbitration and what that number might look like. So yeah. we just decided to move on because that's not going to work for us. All right, I'm going to be the first one that kind of. <laughs> What, are you going off the board here or something? Goes off the board. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if people are going to like this. There is a family connection with the Vancouver Canucks, mm. or used to be. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Nashville Predators, right shot defenseman. Uh, oh, come on. Now an unrestricted free agent. Uh, just 28 years old. Played in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to Nashville, was hoped that he would play better than he did, did not go as well as you would have liked. Uh, Matt Benning is on my list of potential right shot defensemen that could be useful for a team under a million bucks. Ah, man. Uh, I mean, he is the nephew of Jim Benning. I mean, him and Troy Stetcher are not too different. I will give you that. It's not a lot of difference between Well, he brings more size. He does. Than Troy Stetcher. But I just mean as far as like depth. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be regular players for you. They're more depth guys, give you a little bit. Maybe you can argue Benning has a bit more size and a bit more, perhaps, to offer yeah. a certain type of a role. I get where you're, where you're going. But overall, same class of player, I, w- I would say, generally speaking. But, you know, are you here for the Benning Wars to continue? <laughs> I just want the Benning Wars to continue here in Vancouver. <laughs> it's got to it's gotta be a thing, especially with Matt Benning, a guy that's, you know, his numbers have always been more kind to <laughs> what he has shown on the ice. Generally, and look, I'm not even joking about this. Like, I, I, there is a player there in in Matt Benning, and <laughs> and one that I think is kind of what the Canucks have talked about wanting a little bit. You know, recovers the puck, gets it out of his own end at a decent pace, and is good in transition a little bit. This is so, what Jim Benning would say. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're making the same argument. Bring back the bros. That's from uh, Rager on the Dunbar Lumber text line. You deserve to get suspended for that comment. That's from minor Matt Navitzford. I'm uh, just saying Matt, Matt Benning is gonna gonna make uh, 
You're going to make a, one NHL team happy that they signed him to a depth contract. Depth contract. Yeah, it depends on how much you pay him. And just don't overspend. I mean, he was only making a million bucks yeah, in Nashville yeah, exactly. anyways. As long as under well. a million. Yeah. Basically what happened last year in Nashville, like they couldn't make a save when he was on the ice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that kind of happens sometimes yeah. when you're not that great defensively. Are you pro-Benning there, Josh? That's a hard no for me. <laughs> Everyone's right. afraid so of I'm saying. alone on Benning yes. Island once You're... again. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sir, that's a tough island to be alone on. <laughs> Dan feels like he has all the information on uh, Matthew Benning. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> we don't. We I'm don't. just I'm just standing for the XGM of the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> that's what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll go with my next guy here. And, you know, for those people saying Milano is soft, they need grit. Well, here's a gritty player and a guy that can play on your PK, bring a little speed, and, and is a real pain in the butt to play against. Zach Aston Reese. Oh, he's yeah. he's a really tough little, uh, not even that small really, but uh, he, he's a strong checking player. And when you start digging through how good he was defensively, really strong defensively. He can help you on your PK, add some some speed and some toughness to that bottom six. And the type of personality and identity you kind of want on a line like that, he can bring it for you and has a lot of tenacity to his game. Had a bit of a tough year last year, which means he probably comes in pretty cheap. And he's a guy I'd, I'd, I'd want to bring in on a one-year deal. Plays a left or right side and can help in a lot of those ways we've been looking for this team to improve in. Isn't going to score a ton, so not necessarily a player you would expect to move up the lineup, but could he be a staple on your fourth line and yeah. your penalty kill that helps you win those matchups Almost all the time. And when he helps a, you be able to roll yeah. through your four lines more often than not. He has such a big impact that would... Not he doesn't make a fourth line really good on its own. Yeah, but he makes that line not lose its matchups consistently. That, that's how good he is defensively as as a two way player. So I don't know if I would call my next pick risky per se, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a lot of bottom six upside in his game. Uh, Sam Steele, all right, from Anaheim, uh, twenty points last year. Had some offensive upside throughout his career. Only twenty four years old, which is why he's on my list. It's it's a bit risky though cuz like defensively he's he's just okay. Offensively he hasn't really shined in the NHL yet, but I think it's one of those darts that you take and if it works out you look great, if not it wasn't that expensive and you just let him walk in free agency, but that's the kind of guy that if he really works out, he might end up in your middle six kind of in a Niels Huglander role and helping out if someone does get injured or something along those mm-hmm. lines. See, what I like about Steele, and, and it, you know, kind of uh, it fills a similar role that the player, the next player I was going to suggest, and that is Victor Rask, player that profiles as a bottom six center, yeah. uh, has a little bit of speed to his game, uh, plays well defensively. Rask did score decently well, uh, you know, 21 points in 47 games this past year, but... Like, is there upside with Victor Rask? You know, you you know what you're getting. He's probably making a million bucks to play at the bottom of a roster after he got that ginormous contract that nobody could really figure out back in the day. Like, wow, Victor Rask got that from Minnesota? Okay, doesn't really make sense. But it happened, and then by the end of it, he just kind of became a guy that was... Oh, he's just like a solid bottom six guy that should be making a million bucks and helping yeah. out a team. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, and but a guy like Sam Steele, there's potential upside there. There you'd, is. You'd rather take a look at that when you're in the Canucks position than say a veteran like Victor Rask. My only question uh, about Sam Steele is that's a team that needs those types of players, and they're like, no, we're good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my only question. But we're talking about one year flyers to see if somebody can can come through. So Sam Steele on Josh's list, uh, my list getting finalized with Victor Rask. Uh, the three names: Rudolph's Balsers and Matt Benning were also on my list. This from uh, Dalvir <laughs> on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Realistically, Matt Benning would be a fine depth option, but nah, there's bad vibes there, yeah. which are outside of his control. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Move move off of it. Move uh, off of all it. All right. All right. Then allow me uh, uh, an even deeper look into the bargain bin for oh, a right are, shot are defenseman. You cha- okay, you're adding another one? What do we have here? A really deep look okay. for a right shot defenseman. All right. Joseph Duzak. Another Toronto Maple Leaf reject? Uh, he was a Marley reject. Okay, all right. Okay, he did right. not get a qualifying offer. <laughs> he did not get a qualifying offer, but I think that, like, really interesting game and really interesting profile. You talk, uh, you know, with my connections in Toronto, just talking to a few people with the Marlies, there is some legitimate offensive upside there with this player. Is that what the Canucks really need? On the right side from their bottom pair, right shot defenseman, maybe not necessarily, but I think this is kind of one of those market inefficiencies around the league. Like, why not just find players that help you transition the puck moving forward? He is on the smaller side of things, which isn't great, just five foot nine, but had 52 points in 61 games with the Toronto Marlies last year and is looking for an NHL shot. That is the biggest reason why he didn't get a QO yesterday. Leafs are allowing him to go out and try and find that. I think Joseph Duzak is a really interesting super bargain bin option. Yeah, I mean, two-way deal. You know, go fight for a spot. These are the types of guys, though, you do have to unearth to some degree. I mean, how do you find your Mason Marchmans? How do you find your Jonathan Marchessos? You know, how do you find your your McKenzie Uyghurs, for instance? You know, guys that were drafted late and, you know, came through, like, by the time they figured it out, they're, what, 23, 24 type of deal. So uh, you got to find those types of players. And I have no issue to dig deep and and take a flyer on a player like that. And I think it makes a lot of sense, especially those right-hand guys. Another guy that that didn't make my list, but fits the kind of a similar category that I've mentioned before from the Florida Panthers is Chase Prisky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chase Prisky was a righty defenseman. uh, Another name uh, coming out of Quinnipiac a few years ago, but uh, went to Carolina and it was, it was a really interesting decision at the time because it's like, well, where are you going to ever play there, Chase? And then uh, obviously uh, Florida's doing all right too. Uh, this text, unsigned P.K. Subban on a cheap deal. All right, let's uh, run through a couple more quick. Sat, what do you got? All right, so uh, a centerman I would take a shot on is another guy that was just made available, uh, you know, over the past 24 hours, Oscar Lindblom. Yeah. The uh, Swedish centerman that the uh, Philadelphia Flyers just bought out. And he has a little bit of size to him. Uh, he plays well down the middle, and he's still kind of recovering and getting his strength and, and, and a lot of his form back. But he gives you a little bit of offense, isn't bad defensively, can play up and down your lineup potentially, coming to a situation where he could be in a prove-it situation. And if they end up moving a guy like JT Miller, could he play up in a third-line position potentially or whatever? And mm. it, it, I think he has that type of ability to his game. He hasn't really excelled at the PK yet, but he has some PK ability. He can play that type of a role. And I think he's a player with the, with the time he's kind of missed and going into a new opportunity and with this team and how they want to kind of take care of players and maybe find ways to get, get them to be the best versions of themselves. He's a type of buy low candidate on a, on a short-term one-year type of a deal 
that could turn out to be something for you. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, really good player. And you see the reaction out of Philly today, uh, why he got cut. Um, people aren't loving it. Uh, they signed Tony D'Angelo. They want to open up more cap space to do other things in free agency. And because he's one of those uh, U25 players, you get the cap credit. And it's a lot of cap savings for the Philadelphia Flyers, but could be an interesting option for a lot of teams. All right, Josh. Uh, last one I will throw is Ryan Donato. Ah. Who, I don't think he's he's going to be spectacular in any way, but he can play in the bottom six, has some offensive upside. His defensive game isn't great, but it's not bad either. I think he's just kind of a, a low-risk guy that will fill a hole in the bottom of your lineup. So uh, Ryan Donato, actually, one of the things I liked about him is he's a bit of a sneaky shootout specialist too. So a guy that can actually, you know, if you're a Canucks team that profiles as maybe being a bubble playoff team, getting those extra points in the shootout can matter a lot. And Ryan Donato, I think uh, for his metrics in the shootout, he's around or just under 50%. I think there's only 10 players in the league that have better shootout numbers than Ryan Donato. I I mean, you know, it doesn't fit the the need of that physical player that people want or whatever, but you know what you need? You need guys that can score and give you some scoring depth as the season goes on. I mean, what really sinks teams? Sure, it is a lack of toughness in certain things, but if you can't score enough goals when guys get injured, that sinks you in a season. And and having those guys, those a type of player that can do that, like we talked about, they can play on your fourth line or maybe be a, an extra forward that gives you a tangible skill that can provide a little bit of offense, I think that's important. How big was Chase on this year? Yeah. Just to go back to that same argument. What yeah. sunk the Canucks season uh, in the first half of last year? Not scoring what, goals. It, was, it wasn't their defense. No. It, was, uh, it was that they couldn't score goals. Uh, Canucks president, general manager, well, not president, not general manager, uh, the president of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Jim Rutherford will be joining us here in a few moments. His take on uh, how the Canucks are setting themselves up for free agency tomorrow. That's next on Canucks Central. Canucks Central, a presentation of your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah now welcoming into the conversation the president of your Vancouver Canucks. It is Jim Rutherford. Thanks for this, Jim. How's it going? Uh, pretty good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for making time. I know it's uh, it's busy, but it's it's also silly season. How are you enjoying uh, the first rumor mill season uh, as, as president of the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, I'm pretty used to that. I mean, it's just part of our game. I think it makes it it makes it more interesting and more fun for uh, fans. And uh, um, it's not necessarily just rumor season. I think it's been going on for quite a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, probably about a little bit more than six months now that uh, the the rumors have uh, have been going on around around your club. Uh, free agency opens up tomorrow. Uh, what are what are you looking to do? What what are you and Patrick and the, and the rest of the team looking to do starting tomorrow? Well, we have a little bit of cap space. It's not as much as we would have liked, so we won't do as much as as we would like to in an ideal world. Um, it, you know, we'll peck away at it over time, but you know, we wanna we wanna balance out our forward lines if we can, give more balance and more depth to our forward lines. I know that uh, we have a need on defense. It may be harder making additions there and fixing that as quickly as we'd like to, but we'll keep looking at it. Uh, 
one of the important things that I've talked to everybody about is let's not do something just to do it, just so we, you know, free agency. Let's, you know, let's do it with a purpose and really have a consensus on somebody, one or two guys that we may want to add that not only can they help us immediately, but certainly help us over time when we can really peak this team. So would it be fair to say, given the budget that you guys have, that it would be more of trying to look at, at some of those bargain options, look at a player who hasn't maybe reached his potential yet, but, but can maybe in a new opportunity, given the amount of players that are available that are in that, say, 25, 27 age range that didn't quite click in their previous opportunities? Yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, and, and don't take this the wrong way, because we've talked about... Uh, uh, sign in uh, JT Miller and that's a different uh, totally different from the way we look at other guys that that are in their 30s you know JT's been here he's been one of the top players and if uh, if we can bring him back uh, you know we'd like to do that but aside from that guys that haven't been with the Canucks we we try to look at an age where these guys can be part of uh, when this team can can really become a contender and hopefully that's within the next couple of years. So trying to look at, at guys, uh, you know, that are younger than 30. And then of course, if it's somebody that's closer to 30, they'd get a shorter term deal. But in that 27 year old range or below. And, uh, and like I said, there will be exceptions because, Certain guys can play certain roles, and if they're close to 30, a shorter-term deal may make sense. Uh, you mentioned him, and Jim, i, I got to be honest. Anytime I go anywhere around the city, I get asked, what's happening with J.T. Miller? Everybody just <laughs> they wants to know. They want to know the updates. Um, how, how have negotiations gone now with J.T. on getting him on a new contract? Well, negotiations really haven't uh, intensified. I think that... Uh, uh, both sides uh, understand where each side's at. Um, it's certainly understandable at this point that there there wouldn't be a deal made this quick. Um, and whether whether there's a position from both sides that uh, either side can move and get to that that comfort level um, is hard to say. I it you know it could be difficult, but. At this point in time, we uh, we just go along day by day. There's not a lot happening with J.T. Miller at this point in time, and and we'll see where it goes. I mean, we we don't have to get a contract or a comfort level from a team point of view until probably a month before the trading deadline. Um, I think that's at the point where we would start to get nervous. Where you know, if we can't sign the player, we we want to make sure we get some kind of return for him. But up until that, I don't think that there's a there's a pressure point on the Canucks right now. Did the club at all come close to to making a deal uh, with another team for JT Miller in the last week? No, no, there have been uh, there have been not we have not had any offers on on JT, and uh, we uh, we were not close. Uh, not close to a deal and we have not had we haven't been close enough to a deal and we haven't had anybody ask permission to talk to him as far as uh, 
a potential salary if they were able to acquire them. Now, one of the things you mentioned too, Jim, was that you know you wanted you you had hoped to have more cap space available to you than you actually do at this point. And in terms of you know your comfortability, your your comfort on a longer term deal on JT, could that hinge on you still finding a way to clear more cap space long term? No, no, it doesn't hinge on him. What the cap space hinges on right now is what we would do immediately. Um, anything related to JT or uh, Horvat, that new contract doesn't kick into next year. And then we're on to sorting out more issues when we get to that. Mm. But we, we have lots of time to do that. So it does not affect either one of those guys. Has it been harder than you expected to make some deals to clear cap space with this roster? No. Um, the answer is it's hard. Um, it's not harder than we expected uh, because, you know, we, we know what the market is. We know what teams are looking for. And some of the players that we may move to free up cat space are not necessarily uh, the guys that a lot of teams are looking for at this point in time. That's not to say that they won't um, after we get past the first two weeks of free agency and, Certain teams don't get what they thought they were going to get in free agency or we get into the early part of the season and uh, and different teams have needs. And then, you know, that's when they turn to certain trades. So some of these players, it's not necessarily that they're they're not good NHL players. It's, it's just right now teams don't have a need for them. It's uh, it, you kind of mentioned it there, but. It, do you expect maybe the the trade market opens up a little bit after there's there's some movement uh, in free agency here and and guys decide where they're going to end up playing next year? I would expect it to open up. Yeah, be probably two weeks after the uh, free agency when the dust settles between then and the start of the season, um, teams are are going to realize they have certain needs they couldn't fill, and uh, that's when trade tech talks really start to heat up do you think that's where uh you know potentially uh you can make some some changes to the roster is more in the trade market you know we've talked about the cap space but um is there hopefully or potentially an opportunity to to maybe make some moves with with some hockey deals and maybe moving money in uh money in and out as teams are just so up against the cap right now i think there's a possibility of that but I also think there's a possibility that we improve our team um, here at the start of free agency. Uh, you know, we already started with Kuzmenko. That was that was nice for us that that he picked Vancouver. Uh, he's a you know he's he's a good player. We'll see how he adjusts to the NHL. Maybe adding one or two guys here in the next few days, I think will change things. We're not going to be able to fix everything we want to fix. And, and, and we've got to really look at reshaping our defense. And I, I don't, unless something comes along that I don't know of right now, I don't think that we're going to be able to do that in a short period of time here. That may take a little bit longer. 
And as far as figuring out the contract extensions, we touched on JT Miller, of course, but but also with Bo Horvat. I think Bo Horvat's market, I mean, for players that age, may be a bit more defined. But do you think some of the contracts coming in in free agency are here, especially for guys who are in their 30s, could that have a bit of an impact and to give you guys some clarity on maybe to a lesser extent, Bo, but also with JT about where the market is going for players that age? Yeah, both sides use that as a guideline, that's for sure. I mean, it's it's not the ultimate point of making a decision because different markets are different. Some players don't want to go somewhere else. They want to, they want to play in certain places. I know we have guys that, that want to play in Vancouver. They, they really like it here. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they put some value on that. I hate using the word hometown discount, but they're certainly more willing to listen to, to what we have to offer and where we're going to go. And, uh, but, but when you see some of these other big uh, contracts go out there right now, you can be sure that uh, the teams and the agents are writing down all the details and how they're structured and, and what the total amount is. And, and then they work off of some of those with their own clients. Do you find that right now total money is the biggest factor when it comes to, you know, talking contract with guys in that age range from 28 to 30, 31? Yeah, I think that's that's what they start with. What is the total amount of money they want to make? And then you start trying to figure out how to get them to that number. Do you do it in five years? Do you do it in seven years? Do you front load the contract? Is there signing bonus? All the different ways of structuring it and and uh, and getting their money. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you'd like to try and improve the team here in, in free agency, and of course, this is this is an opportunity. Um, Priority wise, is it is it on defense that you're you're still looking at maybe taking some some bets uh, and and finding some players that that might be able to uh, come in at a, a lower value? Yeah, we might we might do that. You know. Uh, we got to look at where we are right now, and I know it's been a it's been a long, hard run here for for our fans and everybody involved. And and uh, if if we can do a short term fix here on a couple of year deal for a veteran that uh, can be the difference of getting us in the playoffs and start to get our players that kind of experience, to become contenders, we would consider that. Uh, now, of course, Jim, we're coming off uh, your first draft with the Vancouver Canucks and, and as, as a new front office. Uh, what did you think of the entire process to get to the draft and the work uh, your team did at the draft and, and the players you guys came away with? I am very, very pleased with what has taken place. We've, we've made some changes on the, on the amateur scouting side. Um, Cammie Granado, she's in charge of it. Uh, she's put the structure in place. She's worked very close with Todd Harvey uh, as to how we're how we're trying to do things. Derek Clancy comes from a um, a scouting background. He's done some work in amateur scouting now. And I just from the first meeting that I sat in with the amateur scouts to the last meeting leading up to the draft last week, I've just seen a lot of change in how everybody's approached the meeting. And we we have everybody so much more involved. And um, so anyways, uh, as for the draft, uh, we got a little bit of good fortune there. We got some guys later on in rounds that were drafted higher. Uh, 
like Lakamaki. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was certainly supposed to go in the top 10, maybe even closer to, to five or six. And for different reasons, he fell to us. And we're very excited about him. Uh, we got Patterson in the third round. He was rated like 37th on Central. We were looking to get bigger. We got Gardner in the fourth round. You know, he needs some work. But I've been watching him the last couple of days. I think he's got lots of tools. And uh, he'll go the college route, take a little longer to develop. We were really, really pleased to get young, the goalie out of Prince George. He's been, not only is his name young, but he's one of the youngest players in the draft. And uh, and I really like what I've seen in the last couple of days with him. So we've, we've got some guys that in the early going here, I know everybody gets excited right after the draft, but this is just not me talking it's you know me listen to other people here that are watching these players they watch them they scout at them and uh we we feel pretty good about uh at least four four of the players four or five players in this draft that could potentially get to the canucks at some point in time are uh henrik and daniel really, really putting these kids through their paces the last couple of days or what it's great to see them on the ice they're having <laughs> fun with it they're a lot more involved it's perfect for them. It's great for the players that are coming in to be able to work with them. And uh, our our development camp these two days have been really good. The drills have been great. The tempo's been great. And uh, and we're we're really pleased here in the first two days. Hey Jim, really really appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for this. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Uh, there is uh, Jim Rutherford, President Hockey Ops with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, says uh, there were never close uh, to any sort of deal that involved JT Miller over the last week. Yeah, uh, We're never asked by another club to get permission to talk contract with JT Miller. And, you know, that's not all that um, surprising. Patrick Alvin told us the night of day one of the draft that the Canucks were never close with any kind of a deal yeah. uh, with the Islanders. Call this liars, pretty much. Yeah, he said the media making stuff up, is yes. what he said. Um, but uh, another hard no uh, from Jim Rutherford on that. And also said that the Canucks would be comfortable all the way up until about a month before the trade deadline next year, where that's when they would really have to start thinking about moving a JT Miller should a new contract not be in place. Yeah, and I'm not... okay. Obviously, I'm not calling him a liar because you know, but I don't think he's I don't think he's necessarily being for, completely forthcoming on the yeah we'll be happy until the last month before the deadline. That's when we'll get. I mean, yeah, I mean that's probably when you probably get nervous. You like you're really nervous if that happens. But I'm still not sure that's something that they really want to do. You know what I mean? They want to get clarity. And even JT himself, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still skeptical, guys, that we end up heading into next season and we're like, you know, midway through the season and he's under contract. He's not under contract beyond next season and he's not trading. Like, I just have a hard time seeing that scenario still unfolding. But I don't think they're afraid of that scenario. And I yeah. think that's what he's saying. He's like, we're not afraid of doing this. Like, we're, we we really don't feel a rush to do anything. And that's been everything I've heard. And we've talked about this since they've took over. As much as they want to be aggressive, as much as they want to do things, and there are a lot of stuff they want to do, they're not going to force anything. And they are happy being patient. You know why? Because they've been on the job for like six months. 
six months. Yeah. They haven't done anything yet. They, they haven't added any money to the books long-term outside of the Brock Besser deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything else is minor because Menko's a one-year deal. Everybody else is, is small contracts, e- ELCs they sign guys to. There's, no, there's nothing they've done. There's nothing they've, they've done they have to unwrangle. Sure, they have to unravel this roster, with this cap situation. They have to be patient. They have to walk through the situation. But they, there's no immediacy on, immediacy on their part to get something done for the sake of getting something done. They can, they can take their time. And I think that's the point they're trying to make here is saying that, hey, we want to do stuff. We'd love to get this figured out. But if we don't, we're really not that stressed about it. And I know it's hard for fans to, to hear that because you're conflating the eight years that happened with Jim versus this new regime. You promise things will be different. And you're looking forward to this new, brave, you know, adventurous future. But it's just slow to get there. I also took away from that. Maybe... Not that they are going to be, obviously, playing at the high end of free agency, but the Canucks definitely have identified some guys that they want to try and sign tomorrow. And why wouldn't you? You know, we kind of went through the process in the early part of the hour. There is options out there. There is value out there. It's just on day one of free agency, that tends to be when... Problems arise. Problem contracts get signed. Yes. You get your guy, but did you have to go the extra mile to get your guy? Yeah. And that is where the previous regime got themselves into trouble. And that's where I think every team, to some extent, gets themselves into trouble. The the reality is, for me, with where the Canucks plan on playing in free agency, which is at the lower end Mm -hmm of the market and trying to extract some value there, you're probably better off waiting to see where the dust settles and just see which players don't get signed immediately. And then they're the, they're the ones that end up having to take the deal. That's essentially the one out there for them rather than you competing and bidding mm-hmm. with other teams. Yeah. They're not going to go out and out open anybody. And, and you know, they, yeah. they probably have a list of guys they're looking at. And if guys get out of their price range, move on to the next one, move on to the next one, move on to the next one. Because one thing Rutherford made clear here, as much as, you know, they're looking to sign JT and they're not rushing into any trades, he was very clear that this is they're not going to win now. This team isn't ready, ready to really compete yet. Yeah, maybe we're trying to get into the playoffs and get experience and, you know, be competitive. But we're not at a stage yet where we can, where we can really compete. What we're trying to do is set, our, set ourselves up to have players that help us when we are ready to compete. What does that mean? That means they're not heading into this offseason doing reckless things or trying to look at short-term solutions just to help the team right now. It's going to be with the mind of not hurting yourself long-term and maybe helping you long-term to some degree. Now, if you can't do the things you want to do long-term, you can push on next season to some extent. Yeah. Add, add a few guys that help you out, make the team a little bit more solid. You have Kuzmenko. You head into next year and maybe you're a playoff team and maybe you compete a little bit. You're still not a contender, but it gives you a chance to be in that group. Maybe that's not their ideal situation that they had heading into next season. But right now, that might be the best avenue that they can see given their current predicament. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're looking at. I think this offseason, they've had like five or six doors. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of came down to how things aligned for them to walk through whichever one. And. You know, Rutherford did mention, hey, maybe we would be interested in a veteran, but it has to be on a short-term type of deal that makes sense for all parties involved. This is a team that still wants to get to the playoffs. Like, 
you know, the idea of taking a step back, um, look, you can perceive it that way if you're just looking at it as the Canucks have been a team that have really tried to push, push, yeah. push the last couple of years to get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. whereas now they're like, this is the team we have. This is essentially what we have to work with. Yes. And there's only certain things we can do to really try and push forward. But this is the roster we have. It can compete, but there's only so much that you can do with it. That's it, it feels, that's the realization Jim Rutherford and, and the team have come to here. It, it feels maxed out to some yes. extent. Now, that doesn't mean there can't be improvements and it can't be internal improvements, especially for certain guys that are really big pieces on the team. But I'm with you on how that all kind of feels. The one thing I would also kind of say here is Rutherford did mention something we've talked about. As much as, you know, they're preaching, you know, like, hey, we don't have to do anything. I'm not sure the markets has really defined yet, whether it's to a contract with JT or also, you know, who the real suitors are and the real pressure points that may come with missing on players and free agency. So to your point to the question that you asked, there will be a market that develops Mm and then in the coming days, potentially. And as far as JT goes, the Kadri one's really fascinating. I know the Forsberg one, I'm sure, you know, JT and his camp are using. The Kadri one, because he's 33, the total money on that contract is going to be really interesting. Yeah. AAV may be high, but if it's a three-year deal and doesn't get the $30 million ultimately, that's not a great, you know, it's a good offer, it's a good deal, but it doesn't like, you know, change the landscape potentially. Now, if Kadri's getting like 40-some million, then it's like, all right, you know, yeah. that, that, then it's really tough to look at a JT situation and be like, all right, like, you know, you got to take same as, as a guy who's 33 when you're going to be 30 when that contract kicks in and you've had more production in recent years. Yeah. Uh, in the overall, like Kadri had a great year. Played a huge part in Colorado winning the cup. Take last year out of the equation. He's averaged 52 points per year in his career. Yeah. And if you really compare Kadri and Miller's career side by side, they are production wise, very similar players. Yeah. And Miller is slightly ahead of Nazem Kadri. So, it's a really tight, and why I think it's the best comparable out there for JT Miller. Yeah, and, and there are exact, and then there are teams that are ambitious next season trying to land big players. What if they can't? Yeah, and then we mentioned Colorado. Take their time, and and they're not going to rush into anything. I'm still not sold, like I mentioned yesterday, that they get through this off season and something big doesn't happen at some point. The best offer, uh, trade wise, that. You know, whether the Canucks make a trade or not, I don't know. But I do believe the best offer to come for JT Miller may come from a team that just views him simply as a rental, simply as a one year help us try and win a Stanley Cup type of a deal. Um, a lot there with Jim Rutherford, the president of Hockey Ops with the Vancouver Canucks, and a lot to parse through as it's a day before free agency. And we just got to talk to the president. One thing about this new front office is the transparency of it all, like the willingness. Uh, of course, I'm a media guy, so I love when the guys like uh, willing to come out and talk to us. But it's uh, refreshing compared to uh, what we've endured in the past. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, continuing on Canuck Central into hour two. 
Uh, we're going to get into what's going on around the league a little bit. Corey Massasak is going to join us. What exactly is Mike Greer up to with the San Jose Sharks? That and more on what's happening around the league next on Canuck Central.